Welcome to People of Hope, a conversation on finding joy in all things with the pastoral staff of Ignatius House Jesuit Retreat Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Our topic today is the joy of the incarnation. I hope this will be an invitation to your own reflection as we approach Christmas. How has this season brought God more concretely into your life. If you're with us on Facebook, feel free to let us know in the comments and join in on our conversation. So let's begin. We have with us Father Joe Lincoln and Sarah Otto, both on the pastoral team of Ignatius House. Joe will open with some initial thoughts um, on joy and the incarnation, but first I have asked Sarah to open us in prayer. Thanks, Andy. Um, Joy in the Incarnation immediately brings to mind the Jesuit David Fleming's translation of the spiritual exercises for me. Ignatius has a meditation on the Incarnation when you imagine the Trinity looking down upon the world in its beauty and chaos just before they opt to send the Son into the world. And Fleming has this incredible line in which he writes the leap of divine joy. God knows that the time has come. And so with that in mind, let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Triune God, the leap of divine joy brought you directly to us in a humble town, in the form of a little baby, vulnerable and in need of care. Help us to never lose sight of that wondrous love Allow our hearts and our eyes to be open to the quiet and surprising ways you continue to enter into our lives and allow your joy to ripple through our hearts, our homes, and our world. Amen. Amen. Well, good evening, Andy, and good evening, Sarah. Good to be with you both. You know, I have often heard it said that Christmas is for kids of all ages. And well, the older I get, the more I appreciate Christmas. That is God's incarnation in the birth of Jesus. As most people know, the scripture gives us two accounts of Jesus' birth. These appear in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. Matthew tells of Jesus' birth, the visit of the Magi who were guided by a star and the Holy Family's flight into Egypt. While Luke tells us of the visits of the angel Gabriel to Zechariah and Mary, and of Mary's visitation to Elizabeth, Luke then tells of Jesus's birth, the visit of the shepherds, Jesus's presentation in the temple, and the prophecy of Simeon and Anna. Matthew and Luke each give us a story we can visualize and understand. A young woman has a baby, and shepherds and magi come to adore him. Matthew and Luke both tell us of the town of Bethlehem. Their stories are so vivid, we even find ourselves adding details like the number of the magi or the presence of the sheep and the camel at the manger. We even add a tale on the star. As for the magi, They have variously been described as a class of Zoroastrian priests in ancient Medea and Persia. Their names have become known to us as Balthazar, Caspar, 
and Melchior. Further, they have been variously identified as kings, wise men, and or astrologers. And as for the number three, this is determined by the number of their gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But in actuality, the scripture does not tell us their number or their names. Matthew and Luke tell us a story filled with concrete things intended to answer our desire for explanations and help us to comprehend the story that is uniquely filled with mystery and wonder. John the Evangelist, on the other hand, focuses on the awe and the mystery of the incarnation event. He does that in large part by the use of metaphor and illusion to draw us into the mystery and to the joy of the incarnation. John never mentions the virgin birth, the shepherds in the field, nor the magi. Now, he doesn't deny their part in the story. He simply lifts up the more significant implications. Instead of the concrete characters we've come to recognize at the manger, John invites us to recognize the more significant mystery. The nativity is a great moment that, if we're honest, we only partially understand. We know the nativity with both concrete particularity and universal import. The nativity is about humanity and the heavens, and it's about us. In choosing to be born for us, God chose to be known by us. God therefore reveals God's self in this way in order that this great sacrament of love may not be an occasion for us of great misunderstanding. With Christmas, we celebrate God's incarnation, and we are able to see clearly in swaddling clothes the one we have long awaited to enter our heart and soul and fulfill our deepest longing. With the Nativity, we are invited to gaze in deep wonder at the mystery that is God's love for each of us. Humanity in God, God in humanity, one whom the whole universe cannot contain, now enclosed in a tiny body. Gabriel was right. With God, all things are possible. With the incarnation, God's entry into human history is innocent and non-threatening and requires our human care. Christmas is a great feast and mystery that, as I said a moment ago, if we are honest, we only partially understand. And each year I comprehend more of its meaning and importance and appreciate it more and more. Christmas is not merely about some heritage or ethnic celebration, as fine as they are, but it is about God's desire to be with us, God's desire to be known by us. And I think the carol is right. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Thanks, Joe. I am... Uh... I'm struck by your line, the one whom the whole universe cannot contain now enclosed in a tiny body. And I mean, there's so much truth to a tiny little baby being so mesmerizing. And I think back to the newborn days with my kids and how I could just sit and stare at them for hours. Um, 
and though I, I no longer have a newborn, as you know, we we have two kids, Eva, who is almost four, and Oscar, who is 17 months, and there is still just so much incarnate joy manifested in their little bodies, in an image that has really been at the forefront of my heart in prayer this Advent season is an encounter that Oscar recently had with our pastor's dog, Flannery, who lives in your religious community. Um, at the end of an outdoor mass we attended on the first Sunday of Advent, um, Oscar hasn't been around dogs much in this pandemic because of social distancing, and that's been most of his life. Um, but Flannery was wandering around the parking lot this Sunday, and so Oscar ran right up to her. And as you know, Flannery is so sweet and gentle with kids. And so she just sat patiently as Oscar approached her. And the joy that just radiated from his tiny little body was breathtaking. Um, he was particularly fascinated by her tail. And as he <laughs> of it he just squealed with delight and erupted into giggles and his whole body literally shook with joy and it was such a gift because that was actually the last image that I had of him before parting ways from Andy and the kids um, for a few days because I took time for my own silent retreat at the beginning of this advent and that image of his joy just stayed with me in my days there and I had assumed that I would enter into this retreat um, praying a lot about my role as a parent, because that has undoubtedly been the most challenging aspect of this pandemic. Um, but, but I really didn't. And what I sat with was that image of Oscar and just recognized and cried out to God, I want that. I want to tap into that incarnate joy that flows so naturally for a child. And I, I thought about how scripture does assure us that God longs for our joy. Um, I love that line in John 15. Um, it's the beautiful passage on the vine and the tree of branches. When Jesus says, I told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. And just that promise of God longing for our joy. But my goodness, as adults, we can really dampen that. Um, and, and on retreat, I read a quote by the, the priest Ronald Rollheiser, who wrote the lovely book, The Holy Longing. And he said, the joyous shouting of children often irritates us because it interferes with our depression. And it just rang true to me again after nine months of parenting and just feeling like the daily mundane of um, nine months of parenting in a pandemic, the daily mundane of taking care of kiddos had really stripped me of my joy. And so we need the incarnation to learn how to be human. And we need a child to lead us back to what's most important about being human. Um, and like you said, that Christmas is, is for children of all ages, but gosh, we lose sight of that. And so the gift that it comes in the form of a tiny little body where that original joy is so present. You know, we, we, this Advent time is, um, yeah, just this this time of intentional reminder of, of that truth of the incarnation. It, and it's a reminder of something that that already exists. Um, that that God is indeed incarnate in 
our lives in moments of joy, in moments of the ordinary. And next month we're going to talk about joy in the ordinary. Um, but this idea of God in all things, <coughs> innovation, spirituality, um, really highlights, I think, or is highlighted by this Advent and, and Christmas season. And, you know, you, both you, Joe, and Sarah mentioned John, the Gospel of John a couple of times. Um, I mean, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Um, I like to point out to people that Jesus' coming was predicated on the truth that God so loved the world. God didn't love the world after Jesus came and died. God already loved the world. Um, so I, I, I just, I like that idea of Advent being a reminder that of this true presence of God in all things during other times of our year as well. You know, Andy, you began uh, this evening by mentioning, you know, welcoming people to our Advent presentation here. And um, one of the things that I've come to appreciate as a little kid, Advent went so slow. Now as an adult, I realize it goes too fast. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with his opening remarks tonight, and I think we could probably talk for a long time on this topic this evening. And for our listeners, we won't. So we mm -hmm. hang in there. But, you know, another thing I did not mention, and we haven't mentioned yet, was in, in that passage of Luke in the visitation, when Mary greets Elizabeth, Elizabeth, you know, famously says, "For the moment the greeting reached my your greeting reached my ear reached my ears, the babe in my womb leapt with joy." Mm -hmm. And so, from the very beginning of this story that is so familiar to us, each year, the more I reflect upon and pray over and reread this story, I see and the nuances of it in a way I had previously. And that notion of joy, beginning with John the Baptist, and then Sarah, as you mentioned, you know, in the Last Supper discourse, Jesus offers, and to use Ignatian spirituality, I, I often cite that passage, <clears throat> pardon me, as describing Jesus's desire for us, mm -hmm. that we experience his joy. And I, I, I take Jesus at his word, there and for some reason and, and it is true every year at christmas time i i get a sense of this joy and um and to be honest with you in the year that we've had boy could we use it mm -hmm. and uh and i'm really i'm i'm finding myself very very uh graced and and happy these days <clears throat> that we're once again in this season of such grace and gift uh, and a great reminder uh, of God is here with us. Yeah, the the line, again, from John, but the first chapter that's really been with me this season and because of just the darkness and challenge here is the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Um, and, and I've replaced the light with the word joy as I've prayed with it and just reminding myself that this year has not dampened my joy. You know, it's still there um, and it takes intentionality and um, 
Andy and I have had to talk a lot about, okay, what are the things that bring us joy in this season and how can we cultivate practices more um, to tap into that joy? But just that assurance that it's still there no matter what has come our way this year, it's still there and we can tap into it. Um, helpful to have the reminders of the little kids in our lives, but um, it's still there for all of us. I was just going to ask that of, of the two of you. <clears throat> you know, obviously I'm not a parent, but I've often wondered and been curious about, you know, in terms of Christmas and what we celebrate, do, do you find that your children are teaching you something, teaching you something about this season and the joy that we're talking about tonight, just seeing it in them? You know, one thing I've noticed, especially as I speak with our daughter Eva about Santa Claus, and we actually celebrated St. Nicholas Day on December 6th, and, you know, she put her shoes out for a little treat the next day. And so she sometimes actually refers to Santa Claus as St. Nicholas. And uh -huh. so, you know, we're, so I'm trying to be intentional about making this spiritual connection of who St. Nicholas was and, and, and who the, the greater purpose that Santa Claus is serving um, of this generosity and and um and 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 goodness and and charity and kindness and so on um which which really mirrors god right and so this whole uh, myth and story around santa claus and saint nicholas and so on um, my hope as a parent is that it's going to give my children this loving generous image of god so I, I i shy away from the um you know santa's watching you and putting you on mm -hmm. his naughty list because <laughs> i don't want my children to have that image of god but i don't know what do you think what's your uh, experience sarah i think um Joe, as we were telling you before we started this you know, we have set up our christmas tree but because of having a 17 month old we are keeping it well out of reach of him and have enclosed it in our sunroom. Um, but Eva's just constant fascination and she wants to go out and she wants to touch the ornaments and she wants to touch the presents that are already underneath the tree. And as a parent, you know, worried about like, don't break the ornaments. I often find myself saying, don't touch them, just look. But she can't stop herself. She wants to touch it. And that just is a reminder for me of this is why the incarnation exists. Like we need the tactile. There's something in us that needs the, the human touch and needed to um, be friends with Jesus and see him in the flesh and be touched and healed and continually um, experience Jesus in the flesh and the relationships that we have now. Um, and so I appreciate again, that, that sense that Ronald Rollheiser was talking about that, like, oh, her touching just, you know, provokes my neat, my desire for a neat looking Christmas tree. And she's rearranging these ornaments, but <laughs> she just wants to touch them and delight in them and look at every one of them. And, um, yeah, just a continual reminder to let go of my own anxieties and allow myself to be touched in this season. I, I, if I may, you know, go back to something that uh, that Andy said a moment ago, just to clarify that that Santa in is uh, is more than a myth and a story. Santa is real, <laughs> and that's for the benefit of any of our listeners. Let's 
especially younger ones. We believe. <laughs> we believe, absolutely. <laughs> Papa Noel. <laughs> the uh, the you mentioned the the things that we add to the story, you know, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm sometimes bothered by the way we sort of sanitize the Christmas story and sort of pretty it up in a way, and as if you know Mary had this silent and pain-free and unmessy birth. Um, but I think there's some. I think our, we have a longing for, and this is the other part of, of Advent and Incarnation, we have this longing, right, for this future time when, when things will be made right, for this wholeness, when all, will, all shall be well. Um, and I think that the, the story of Christmas, even in, in the way that we popularly um, characterize it, um, really does offer a hope around the world, even to even to people who are not Christian. So um, we have a we have a book of the story of Christmas, and I just love reading that uh, to her alongside "Twas the Night Before Christmas" um, mm -hmm. because it's it's all this this story of joy and hope and excitement and ultimately trust in in God in God's goodness. And you know, Andy, picking on what you were saying there a moment ago about the birth, you know, I, I've thought an awful lot about this. Why did God come the way God came? And I was hinting at it in my opening remarks. I, I think partly so that he, he came in the least threatening way that God could, could come as a child. As a, so as opposed to Jesus just descending as a man— or a human being, you know, instead was was born like all of us were born, and allowing, I think, the possibility that we could better relate to this Jesus, that we could better relate to God, because now God relates so clearly to us as a human person and and knows experiences are like from the moment of birth throughout the rest of his life and he it makes if if you will it makes god particularly jesus more accessible to us and you know we all who practice ignatian spirituality and prayer and contemplation it uh, and to put a plug in i guess for ignatian prayer or whatnot it it's very inviting and very accessible uh, and allowing us to better appreciate that dynamic of God's manifestation in the person, in the human person of Jesus. And we can relate because Jesus relates to us as a human being. You know, and, and I will say this too, the older I get, the more I appreciate what I think previously I considered to be a, a bit of rhetoric. But I, when we talk to one another as brothers and sisters, I... I take that a lot more seriously now. Um, and I think even during this pandemic, I think we've grown closer to one another because we're all experiencing the reality of this pandemic. We've all, it's impacted all of our lives and it's yet another thing that we have in common um, and we can relate to one another in it. And so hopefully support and love and care for one another as well. 
So since you mentioned Ignatian prayer, I'm curious, since I know you have spoken before um, about your affinity to St. Joseph, since he is your namesake, as you've prayed with the nativity scene, have you had any moving prayer experiences of Joseph at the nativity? And I, 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 yes, I, I have. Thank you, Sarah. I have. I, uh, and I confess my bias. I'm, I'm, I'm partial to Joseph. I was just saying to someone the other day uh, that Joseph, uh, he's an individual who had the courage to live his dreams. And, you know, that's that's how we're introduced to Joseph in this story. You know, Matthew's account of the uh, birth and the announcement of the birth happens through Joseph, whereas in Luke, it happens through Mary. And in the case of Joseph, you know, the angel did not appear to Joseph in person, but through a dream. And um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure of the significance of that. But what I found very striking is that the, the dreams clearly were uh, uh, believed by Joseph, uh, and he acted on them. And I, while I haven't had such a dream uh, of, of an angel necessarily, uh, but I, I think he, um, you know, there's a lot we don't know about him, obviously. Um, but, you know, the scriptures tell us he was a good and just person. Um, and I think there are little indications of that, even in how he initially was going to respond to the news of, of Mary's pregnancy. Um, and I think that we could all possibly consider, gee, what, what would that moment have been like for Joseph to learn that Mary was pregnant, uh, first and foremost? Then to hear the way the pregnancy came about. Uh, I'm, I'm, I imagine he had some serious questions, if not doubts and uh, wonders, but I imagine too with him, um, you know, like I, any expectant father, you know, wanting to care, I hope for their spouse and for their unborn child and all the anxiety, and you all can speak to this better than I, the anxiety and the hope and the worry and the wonder of, of all that. I imagine Joseph experienced all of that. Uh, and in that sense, I, it's a very relatable uh, for me personally. Although, as you said, I'm a little partial to Joseph, given mm -hmm. my name. But. Clearly uh, important, important, uh, significant enough person that Pope Francis has, has named this coming year, the year of St. Joseph. So absolutely, you know, we may have to do a, yes. a, a Joseph retreat. Mm -hmm. I actually thought about that at the, uh, earlier today in our previous meeting. Might be worth doing. Yeah. A couple weeks before um, Eva, our first, was born, I came home from work and Andy said, well, I just watched a YouTube video on how to deliver a baby. So if that happens in the car, we'll be ready to go. <laughs> I just thought, oh, good Lord, I don't know if I feel confident in that. Um, but it made me think a lot of, man, just, you know, we at least had YouTube videos if we were in an emergency situation. Joseph had nothing. And so I had this great empathy for what obviously Mary went through, having gone through pregnancy and childbirth, but just 
the real unknown that Joseph went through. And as you said, like so desperately wanting to accompany his wife and this future child um, and just having to trust through it. Um, and what a gift that we have these different models in this story to connect to. Um, I and mean, you, even just. You guys would know this far back because having been, you know, be parents and going through pregnancy, I, I, you know, I've thought about this both in terms of Mary and Joseph. Um, imagine, just imagine what it was like for them to have to travel that distance from Nazareth to Bethlehem, eight, eight and a half months pregnant. Uh, how challenging that journey must have been for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to get to the location and find that there was no place for them to stay. And and I imagine you mentioned Joseph. So I imagine Joseph was kind of anxious trying to find a place for, for them to stay. Mary, for her part, um, you know, we I think we can sometimes idealize both of them, but one of the gifts I've found with Ignatian prayer is that again, their humanity. Uh, I'm sure they trusted God in all of this. At the same time, they they still had, I'm sure, questions, wonders, worries, um, and then as we know the story, you know, again the dream informing Joseph he had to. They had to leave rather quickly and, and go to Egypt in the midst of, uh, I suppose, was continued Mary's recovery uh, from delivering the baby, etc. I mean, just imagine what all of that must have been like for them. Um, I'm sure they felt confident of God's protection and care on the one hand, but when you're living through it, it can be kind of a small consolation in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I just imagine, you know, and. And yet they, I imagine their faith grew as they, for example, found a place for Mary to rest, as they found a place to stay in Egypt, etc. All of that probably affirmed their own faith in God and God's protection and guidance and whatnot. Um, so as I was saying earlier, you know, every year I, I appreciate this story more and more and, the, and its nuances and its particularities. Um, and I find myself this year particularly wondering, whatever happened to the shepherds? Mm-hmm. You know, they saw him that night, uh, but then I wonder what happened. Uh, what's the rest of their story, so to speak? Mm-hmm. You know? As a parent, I can tell you I do reflect on my children's birth um, at this time. And um, I, uh, you know, I ask myself similar questions that Mary and Joseph probably asked. You know, what will this what will this child be? You know, um, what is his or her future? Um, so in, in some ways I, I do see my own children and it, as, as an incarnation, <laughs> I mean, we all are incarnations of God's love in a particular way. We each bring, um, particularities, particular facets to that, to that love and to that, to that joy. Yeah. Any final thoughts? What's your favorite Christmas song, both of you, that brings you the most joy? Well, I, I must admit my favorite is Oh Holy Night, and particularly the lyric, uh, Long lay the world in sin and error pining mm-hmm. till he appeared and the soul 
felt its worth. Mm. And I think that particular lyric captures so well the the mystery and the intention of the incarnation that that uh, God came in the person of Jesus in order for our souls to feel their worth. And I sadly, I think we still have a ways to go go in understanding that. But I, I earlier I was thinking of this, and I'm sorry to prolong my response, but you know, after God created all, God declared it good. And I, I think we're still trying to comprehend that as a human species, as it were, or, or some of us do and not all of us do. And, and I think that's part of God's hope in the incarnation is that we will see and come to see that we really are, in God's eyes, good. And, uh, and, and maybe, just maybe, we'll start acting like it. And, and that was... That was the very first incarnation when, when yeah, God's, God's love it sort of fuses with the material world. I mean, that was, you know, John 1, um, the word became, became flesh, but the word existed. The word was with God from the beginning. Um, anyway, about the song, uh, Joe, you, you took mine. <laughs> and I actually, that very verse, I always mention that in my Advent Day of Reflection, because of that, yeah, that pining, that longing for a savior, that longing for for all to be made right. Um, my other favorite Christmas song is is Carol of the Bells. Um, I just like the tune. <laughs> How about you, Sarah? Um, I would not have said this a prior year, but I think the retreat at the beginning of Advent setting me into a, a, a path of joy this season. Um, I've been really loving Go Tell It on the Mountain. And if oh. you, you might be able to see behind Andy, we got a piano recently. And I've just been yeah. loving playing that song and just that that joy that's contagious. Go tell it on the mountain. Jesus Christ is born. So <laughs> That's great. I actually noticed that piano. I was going to ask you, who plays the piano? Yeah, I do, but Andy is learning. I'm so trying to learn. Funny. So <laughs> and I'm practicing with Christmas Christmas songs. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's great music to start with, I think. Yeah. So let me ask you this, you know, before we go, apropos this uh, question of the favorite Christmas, do you remember the first Christmas song you learned? My dad would just play loudly Bruce Springsteen's um, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. <laughs> So that's the first song that comes to mind. And yes, I agree with Andy that, you know, you, you better watch out. You better not cry. Um, it's not the greatest message, but man, I love Springsteen's version of that song. <laughs> that is great. I, I just have recollections of, of elementary school music class and uh, the, the song Let It Snow, City Sidewalks, oh, yeah. Busy Sidewalks, <laughs> and Frosty the Snowman. That's Mine. I yeah. like that. That's great. Well, I, 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 so I'm a little older than the two of you, and I'm the youngest in my family. And my brothers uh, were all in the boys' choir in our church, and I always wanted to do what my older brothers did. And so they would go to choir practice, and I felt like I wanted to go. And so I think I was so annoying to them that my parents made my brothers teach me, "Hark the Herald Angels Sing," and. Mm -hmm. 
And then when the Charlie Brown Christmas came in, I'm old enough to remember when it first came out uh, and when it was first broadcast. And I remember being so thrilled, and I still am every year when I see Charlie Brown Christmas, how at the end they all gather around the Christmas tree and they sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And uh, so that's that's the song I remember uh, learning first. That's, But, of course, I must admit, the, the better watch out, the better not cry, et cetera, I don't know if I learned it, but I think they probably told me about that. <laughs> Being the youngest, of course. <laughs> well, what a nice lead in to the week before Christmas. <laughs> thank, uh, thank you both of you for um, just for engaging in this wonderful conversation. And, uh, it's I think even in the pandemic, this uh, it's actually made Advent for me um, more special in some way, and, and perhaps I've just been a bit more reflective as all of us may have been. So thank you again. Um, and uh, thank you all for joining us this evening. Uh, we invite you to watch our past conversations on our Facebook page or listen to them on the People of Hope podcast. Our next conversation will be on January 21st. And at that time, we will be in ordinary time as a church. So we will talk about finding joy in the ordinary. We hope you can join us then. In the meantime, visit us at ignatiushouse.org to learn about how you can join us on retreat and engage with other prayer experiences online. Be well and have a good night. Thanks for listening. Learn more about Ignatius House by visiting us at ignatiushouse.org or following us on social media. And be sure to subscribe to this wherever you listen to podcasts. May the blessing of God be with you always.